Moms, we love you. We do. Uh, I actually called my mom already this morning on the way here to church, and what a gift moms are. I, I love that, the associate. You know, you have to, you know, you have to let the associate eat first. <laughs> Sometimes the associate will be up at least 24 hours a night, and you'll be up with them. I mean, I just think that's great. Yeah. You know, I, I heard just recently there are three things. They did a, a survey, and they found three things moms most want on Mother's Day. And, and, and the first is a clean home. And most of you guys already blew that one, so that's not going to be happening, I imagine. And, and the second was breakfast in bed, and most of you guys probably blew that too. So they're really simple things to do. And the third is a, a three-carat diamond. Um, so if you haven't gotten the first two, moms, get excited. No. Actually, the third is time alone. You could still do that. They just want someone to take the impossible responsibilities sometimes they carry on their shoulders for nothing and to be appreciated and loved. And as we look at this, this prayer, which we've called a new way to pray, and if you didn't, to get the real understanding of why it's new, you need to listen to last Sunday's message. Because at this point, as we get into the passage and if we get into the prayer, Jesus is our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And now what we're going to look at today is your kingdom come, your will be done. And I honestly, for years, just read that as, well, that's just kind of a neat little prayer. It's got a poetic kind of ring to it. And it hit me about 10 to 15 years ago. This is what God would really like. And now we know that this won't come in fullness till when he comes again. But he, Jesus, wasn't just kidding when he prayed this prayer. He's asking us to make it possible for God to do what might seem impossible through us. And I'm not talking primarily about miracles or healings. That's not the impossible thing. You know, the impossible thing most is that we grow to become like Jesus and to grow in the character of Christ. And we be little Christ so that when God wants to do something that might be far beyond what we could do, he can do it through us as we just walk with the Spirit. I'm going to ask you to stand. I just want to pray for a moment. I'm going to ask you just to stand in the presence of God. Father, who fills the heaven, may your name be so revered and honored and respected and treasured in our world. As children, we say, Father, we want that to happen. And Father, because of how incredibly good you are, and we have, some of us have experienced that, and really all of us have, and some of us would say, would you extend that goodness everywhere that is in heaven down here into earth for the glory of your name? In Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. It's really interesting. The next request in the Lord's Prayer seems pretty impossible because Jesus just prays, Father, bring heaven to earth. And this second request, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as is in heaven, flows most naturally 
from what was in that first request. Remember we said last week, we were, some of this is built off these 18 benedictions that the Pharisees had begun when the synagogue began and, and they were asking Jesus how to pray and he basically often will say, let me tell you a new commandment, how to love. Let me, let me tell you a, a new law, not just don't commit murder, but don't hate, not just don't you know, commit adultery, don't lust. And now they're saying, teach us to pray. And he says, let me teach you a new way to pray. And he just begins kind of in a similar way and he says, here's some things to acknowledge. He's our father. In a very personal way, and he fills the heavens. He is as close as the air you breathe, and in their system, they would also see him as great and as far and as sovereign as the farthest star in the sky, the universe itself. And he begins to acknowledge these truths. Our Father who fills the heavens, and this hallowed be thy name is the cry of a child for his father's honor. You have to understand it. It's a cry of a child saying, Dad. And it would read like this. Dad, who is as big and great as the universe itself and as close as the air that I breathe, may your name, Dad, be uniquely respected. It, it's the child who looks at his parents and, and, and says, Man, would you? Would you be, I just would love for others to treasure you and honor you and, and love you more than any other name. It's just a natural request of a young little child who loves his Abba daddy and is wounded whenever he hears his parents' reputation marred in some way. Whether mother or father, when they hear their parents being disrespected, it's why uh, Kevin Durant of the Oklahoma Thunder would give this big tribute to his mother and I think buy her what, a pink Escalade. And, because moms, your influence is so great on your kids and when your kids are little, they see you with such wonder. You may not realize it. And dads, they hold you in such revere. Even bad parents. Isn't that amazing? It's why when I yesterday was able to do a commencement address down in Florida for the school that I had been executive director, and it's just fun because these, these, these students are so grateful for their degrees. They get the degree, and, and what would happen a number of occasions? They would walk by and go, hi, mom. Not one hi, dad. Honest, not one hi, dad. It's the whole idea that when you see sports and athletics, they stand before a camera, and they see a bunch of things. Often they'll just give regard to mom. And, and you need to understand this. I just want to say this just in a kind of parenthetical way. Moms and dads, you hold like a godlike reverence and this confidence that they have in you, even as a little child, as being the best. Whether you're a single parent here or whether you're a, a surrogate parent, and often grandparents can figure in that way, you are essential with regard to this child's well-being. And especially at these younger ages, they need that. So from this first request regarding the child's confidence that their Abba Daddy is the best and that he rules in the home in this incredibly good way, this is the way the child sees he can do about anything. He feels the love and the care that he's provided for. He now moves to this second request. After, you know, make sure, God, that I just want your name to be uniquely treasured, he now moves to this second request and he says, Dad, it would be really cool. I'm kind of paraphrasing here, okay? It would be really cool if your good influence reached everywhere. The way it does up in heaven. And it says, the way it does in our home, Jesus says. How about down here on earth? 
Daddy, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And just like any good child would want that good ruling influence to be felt everywhere to everyone, he also knows and we know that's not happening here on this earth. We know it's just not happening everywhere. We know it doesn't even happen sometimes well in our own homes. I mean, I just know at times heaven doesn't show up in me the way I'd like it. And yet God says, by grace and forgiveness, because what I did on the cross, if you just will come in humble, utter dependence, I will forgive you and continue to form you and to make you into this little place where heaven can begin to show up. If that's what you want. You know, God only goes where he's wanted, by the way. It's a really good thing to think about. God goes where he's wanted. And he'll go to the extent that and sometimes you want him. N.T. Wright makes this comment. He says, Jesus' contemporaries were longing for God to become king. Putting it bluntly, they were fed up with the other kings they had had for so long. And as they were concerned, the Roman emperors were a curse and the Herodian dynasty was a joke and it was time for the true God, the true king, to step into history, to take the power and the glory, to claim the kingdom for his own. And that's what Jesus was praying. He felt the angst. He felt the will of the people. We don't speak often of the word kingdom today. And and I just need to kind of do a little... Uh, kind of more intro here before I get to just these three points of the places and the ways and the manner in which God shows up. Again, if you want to, at some point we'll talk about the places, the way, and the manner that God shows up. But just the idea of a kingdom isn't something we think about. We didn't grow up in, in, with kings and, and, and queens and, and dynasties and kingdoms because we threw that all out, right? Here's what the kingdom is. The kingdom of God is the range of our Father God's effective will. It's the range of his effective will. That is, it is the domain, the place, where what God prefers, it is the place where what God prefers is actually what happens. And often what God prefers here on earth doesn't actually happen. The effective will is the range of his influence. And so when I think about this, I think about when I was a young parent, or really even more so the memory was when my dad was a, you know, was father and my brother and I would be in the back seat. And he had this amazing um, range of his effective will because he would be driving and he would reach back. <laughs> See, if his words weren't making a difference, the physical hand had the ability to reach back and he would put us on either side and draw a line and says, don't cross that line. That was the effective range of his will. We've, we've dedicated babies. Babies have what I call um, an effective range of their will. They know how to exert their influence over you. And they, they can do a couple things really well. They cry, right? And when they cry, that word or that emotion draws you to do something. There's another thing they do too, and they stink. Stink is a really good one. That sometimes even works better than crying. I was at a parent, young parent's home earlier this week, and the little boy said, Mom, so-and-so just stinks. You know, she, that gets your attention. But another thing about a baby, the way they exert their will, what you have to understand is babies are extremely self-centered and self-serving, 
And when you really think about it, we're a bunch of babies who are pretty self-centered, self-serving, just growing up. And one of the values that we really have as a church, kind of a non-negotiable in my heart and mind, is that we are calling people to grow up and be mature. And babies are that way. But know this, it's not true with God. His rule, his influence, his reach is always good. His reach is always for your good and for the good of this world. So Jesus prays, Abba, Daddy, who fills the heavens, may you be honored above all, and may your good hand reach into our world to influence everyone and every place where your influence is not being felt. Is that, that's kind the gist of the prayer. Reach your hand, God, into this world to influence me, us, and everything around us. Father, bring heaven to earth. Okay. So there's three implications of that, and that is the places where this heaven is to come. You just think about it. Bring heaven to earth in these places. In these places where we spend our lives, our home, on the playground, city streets, at the office, in the school, where we work out, where we buy groceries, at the restaurant, we eat everywhere you go. If you've opened your heart to God and the Holy Spirit is ruling your life, you have the ability to reach out for God. These are the kind of places I think Jesus has in mind when he's asking for the kingdom, God's rule, to reach out and be effective. God, may your hand reach into all these places, and the way he does it primarily is through us. The way he does it is through you. And so every one of us here have a choice all the time. You have an initial choice, because you may be here and you may... You know, be saying, you know, this God stuff, I, someday maybe when I get old, you know, when I'm older, some point later I'll really get the business around this and you can really miss out on so many good things because his reach is always good. He's not reaching out to you right now and he is reaching out to you. I'm sure the Spirit of God might be speaking to you if you've been kind of running from or you're kind of in this apathetic place because he, he loves you. But every one of us have a choice all the time to say, God, how do I partner with you to first... Not necessarily in these places I go, but first in me to create the kind of person that is loving, that is gracious, that is kind, that is merciful, that is patient, so that I become this kind of person, so that as it says in the Old Testament, everywhere you place your foot, God seems to be reaching out. And you sometimes don't even know it. It's those kind of places, but primarily the places in you. Every day, if you've at one point opened your heart to God, every day is an opportunity to say, God, come here and begin to build heaven in me so that this heaven can reach out. And sometimes God does these incredible things through us that amaze us. Now, if you look at Luke, he only uses the words, thy kingdom come, whereas Matthew records and adds these words, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But these additional words in Matthew only clarify, I think, Luke's simpler form. You have to understand, Jesus was an itinerant preacher so that when he was probably asked this question by his disciples, he probably taught this now on a number of occasions and probably used different forms of the same prayer. And Jesus isn't praying that his kingdom of his father would come into existence. That's not what he's praying. He was saying the kingdom is here, and it's here through him. See, the kingdom of God is from everlasting to everlasting, always has been, always will, and it will always exist 
and it doesn't come into existence. I remember as a child at times when my father would fly, I would fear the fact that maybe the plane would go down. I just had as a kid that kind of fear, and my fear was that, in a sense, his direct daily influence would no longer exist. But guess what? You don't ever have to worry about that with God, your father. He will never not be. Don't you love double negatives? Basically, your father's rule will always exist. And so Jesus prays, may your good rule be felt on this earth in the same way we bring heaven to earth. We are the primary place. Our life is the primary agent. We are thinking of our activities more than those of other people, says Dallas Willard. We know our weaknesses, our limitations, our habits. We know how tiny our power of conscious choice is. So even when I said we had choice, there is even in this prayer saying, God, I consciously sometimes am not even aware. So as you're praying, you're saying, I even understand how tiny my, the power of my conscious choice is. We are, therefore, asking that by means beyond our knowledge and scope of our, our own will, we be assisted to act within the flow of God's creation. Help us. See the patterns that we're involved in, patterns of greed, materialism, prejudice, hatred, reactions you have to people that may have been developed when you were a child by the way you reacted because that was the way you had to, to develop a strategy to get the kind of life you needed that now when you get to this point, the strategy you had then, the reaction you have now is really a prison that actually isolates you to, up from other people. He says, pray this way. We ask him to help us not cooperate with those patterns, but to cast light on them and act effectively to remove them. Bring heaven to this place. And then he says, bring heaven to earth in these ways. Particularly if you think about it. Think about heaven. What's it like in heaven? Guess what? God is absolutely sovereign. Everything God wants, everything he wills, happens. The God of heaven overcomes all opposition and rebellion. There is no will that can stand against him. But at one point, there was a will that stood up against him. Lucifer, we're told in the Bible. At one point, Lucifer rebels. We read in Isaiah 14, 12, kind of a picture of this. He says, how you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you're cut down from the ground. And the story of the rebellion continues in these verses in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 13 through 15. Now, I don't have these. I didn't give these to Andrea. These came up last night and didn't get them to her, so you won't see them on the screen. Isaiah 14, 13 through 15. For you have said in your heart, Lucifer, and now catch this, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit On the mount of the congregation, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. And then it says, yet you, God, brought him down to hell to the sides of the pit. And I think it's significant that the prophet quotes here five I will statements. I will ascend, I will exalt, I will sit, I will arise above, and I will be like the Most High. And God responds, there is a will that will be done in heaven, but guess what? It's not yours. And in Jesus, if you read and you understand it, in Luke chapter 10, verse 17 and 18, 70 return to him, and they're so excited because they're seeing the wills of even demonic spirits beginning to respond to him. They're submitting to him. They say, Jesus, this is so cool. They're full of joy. They go, even demons submit to your name. And you know what Jesus' response is? He says this, yeah, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So why am I saying all this about the way of God? Because we know in the way of God no other will can exist. And here's what's so cool about it, something that just struck my heart as I was 
flying on a plane last night. The will of God, when it shows up in your life, the way it shows up, no other will in that sense can stand against it. Think about this. If Satan has no authority in heaven because the will of God is done there, then whatever and wherever the will of God is allowed and done here, Satan loses power in your life and in situations you walk into. That's a reality. Now, you, you can clap if you want. That's, it's true. And that's the way God shows up. And I just want to sh- just briefly share with you how you bring, the manner in which you bring it. If this is true, that as you say, God, I'm going to choose today to be joyful where I work. I'm going to choose today to be patient, Lord. As, you know, you're going to fail, but God will, as, you forg- as he forgives you and you continue to build that muscle of patience, you are going to be bringing heaven into that place. You will be changing the atmosphere of where you're at. That's one of the ways that God's work. And then the other is this manner. Here's how he works. Think about how he works in heaven. Anytime he says something, the angel, better than the Abbey, you know, what is it, the Downton Abbey? You ever seen the show? They stand there like this. Yes, sir. Okay, sir, yes. And they run off and do it. Here's how the angels in heaven are. They're doing their thing, and when God speaks, they listen. Yes, Father. Yes. Go talk to Mary. Yeah, maybe in an hour or so. I don't think so. Yes, yes, Father. What? Go release Peter in prison? Ah, uh, yeah, that's, that's not something I really care to do. Not ever. Their response is immediate. It's complete. And it's done with joy. That's what Jesus is praying for. That's the, the place he works is in us. The way he works is through his will. Every time you say yes to his will, you give him opportunity to express heaven on earth. And he does it when we respond in the way the angels respond in heaven themselves. Now, I'm really excited about an opportunity to share with you a ministry that we as a church are going to partner with. And so I'm going to ask if Michelle and Pete would come and just uh, share with you a little bit about this ministry. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to do a funeral for your husband, Gary. And Gary was tragically killed in a um, bike accident. And we had just, the church was full. And I remember at that time, Michelle, I just, my heart was grieving for you. And, and I remember, um, as I told you in the office here, I remember afterwards, I felt like God's doing something in you. And then when I began to see what was birthed out of here, this ministry that God has founded through you, and then as you as well, Pete, are coming alongside, and so are a number of others, um, I was really excited. So first of all, Michelle... DeSantis, who um, has uh, attended our church and has allowed for God to begin to do this thing. She has two boys, Sam and JJ. She's a widow, founder of a ministry we call Widow's Hope. And Pete Rolofson, uh, who also has three daughters, is a widower. His daughters, Jenny, Lindsay, and Kirsten. He is the director of the community outreach for Widow's Hope. Uh, and in, in, in we don't have all the time to get into the backstory of how God worked here, so we're going to probably put that in an encounter newsletter so you can read more about that. But what I wanted to do is just get a, a moment to, for you to just share why is God starting this ministry, Widow's Hope? And, and when I think about it, you know, there's grief support groups, and there's all kinds of different ministries, but this is pretty unique. What's, what's the reason for that? I didn't realize until I'd gone through the last myself that there was such a need and what the needs were for the widowed. 
And so um, I brought with us today some statistics that I'll share with you. That I think that really encompass what the widowed go through, and it'll help you, and um, it helped me better understand um, what the needs are. So what we've done is um, we've compiled these statistics, and the first one is that there are over 13 million widows here in the United States. 11 million of those are women. Um, the average age of a widow is 56. There are 5 million children who've lost a parent in the United States. And something that's really significant is that losing a spouse is the number one stressor on the stress charts. And the layers of losses and stress that follow that lead to the next statistic that 60% of those that lose a spouse will experience a serious illness in the time following um, the loss of that spouse. That was brought home just last month when I spoke to Jake, who is a young man in Santa Barbara, he told me that his uh, father had died when he was 11. And what happened is um, his mother took that so harshly that um, from ages 11 to 17, he ended up having to take care of himself and feed himself. And she developed dementia until he could leave the home at age 17. So kids are extremely vulnerable during that time, and that's something that we've identified as well. On average, 75% of the friendship and family support base is lost. And um, the reasons for that are we lose couples, friends, um, we isolate, we're not pleasant to be around, we're angry, we, we go through so many emotions. Um, and then the last statistic that I want to share with you is 70% of those um, who have dependent children are not financially prepared for the loss of a spouse or parent. And um, what happens there are people can lose their homes, uh, change jobs, uh, mothers will have to go back to work, re-enter the workforce, or take on a second job. And that really leaves the kids vulnerable. Right. Well, you know what I think is, is interesting is that um, the Word of God tells very clearly in James chapter 127 that it, it says it this way, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. So there's a real call to do this. I mean, the, the way you can bring heaven to people's lives in these kind of situations, and especially we talk about this on Mother's Day, what a powerful way to touch lives. I mean, we're, we're called to go to prisons to, to reach those who are alien or who are foreigners in our land. But in this way, I, when you shared that with me, when I was just seeing you one Sunday, a number of somebody's back, and, and you, you sent me the next day some of the statistics, I was kind of blown away by the incredible need that you see there. So you're developing now ministries, and this is not just here, it's actually becoming a national ministry. Um, I think it's really exciting some of the things you're developing. So Pete, why don't you share with us a little about um, some of that ministry? Thanks, Kevin. We have um, about two years of history as a group, so we're pretty new. But from our own experience and from working with people who have lost spouses, uh, we've got four outreaches. first one is called Morning Companions, spelled as the word morning, not M-O-R-N. Uh, we've got job reentry or career transition. We're looking at youth programs, and then we want to partner with you guys. You've set a great uh, foundation of hammers of hope. Uh, the first one, Morning Companion, um, about 15 years ago, uh, God decided to put a couple messengers in my life. I wasn't a man of faith. Um, I hadn't been in a good place but along came a, a mom with a uh, six-year-old boy and um, decided to change my life. And that's why Morning Companion is important to me because in that time frame, about uh, three years after we got married, uh, at my age, I became a father again. 
And uh, I got used to people saying it's so nice when grandparents get involved with their kids. <laughs> um, in 2005, we went up north to see the colors up in northern Wisconsin. And uh, my stepson was a thrill seeker and had a lot of fun, and they had a festival going on. And uh, there was a helicopter there. And my wife was a salesperson, and she talked uh, the pilot into taking them on a different route to see the cabin that her family had. And so on a cloudy Saturday morning, my three-year-old daughter and I stood in the parking lot holding hands and watched the helicopter take off with my wife and son in it, and it never came back. The crash took the life of the pilot and my wife and son. Here I was two years into my faith walk, and if God hadn't brought those messengers into my life and found my faith, um, I would not have been able to get through this. The neat part about that was there were six men in my life that I never figured were widowers. They were men that came into my sphere that were there to walk with me. And now my daughter's 11, and there has been a woman brought into our life almost every gateway that God has put in her life through preschool, through all the different types of challenges she's faced, through all the uh, schools she's had, the, the ministers or the uh, principals of our uh, first school. Uh, her husband's a chaplain. So God keeps putting up these people for us through the whole thing. And that's what Morning Companion is all about. Our concept is, is that those of us who've lost a spouse, those of you who've lost a spouse, and all of you will lose a significant partner or a spouse sometime in life, you can come along and lend your experience to people that are new in that path. AA does it. Amway does it. The idea is to be a mentor. And that's what we're looking for, is people to give back, people to say, I've gone through this experience. Because there's a lot of grief programs out there that handle the first three or four months. But life goes on, and you have to live, and you have to go through these things. And that's what we want to do is plant people all over. We'd like you to join us. Consider joining us to do a morning companion. Just mentor in some way to help those that are going to lose a spouse and their kids. And uh, Michelle, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the career transition Sure. We've partnered with um, many organizations here locally and then across the nation to help provide an opportunity to help uh, women and men re-enter the career or workforce or increase or improve their career so that they can become sustainable. And so we have career boot camps, we have complementary business suiting, <coughs> we have resume building programs, and we also have... Um, some salons that have come up alongside us and offered uh, their services so that people can have new hairstyles, makeup application, and help uh, recreate their self-image. I, I know there's a, a number of things also about youth programs, and I think people can find out more information on that because kids are very vulnerable in that time. You know, the, it's said often that when a uh, child loses a parent, they lose both parents because the hardest part for me was I had to grieve and I had a three-year-old. And that's typical for parents is that you have, to, you have to try and take care of yourself, but the priorities of the, of the kids are there. To kind of typify this, I asked Kevin if I could just read a, a, a song that Michelle's son wrote. Um, Sam put this together, and I was, I was really in awe, but these are his words. I got some questions for you. I don't know if you can answer, but they've been eating at me. It's like my mind has cancer. Like, why do you have to leave so soon? There's more for you to do. I even take one more month. Why couldn't you leave in June? I might sound angry, but it's just because I'm confused. Why weren't you at my games? I played football for you. Sometimes I sit and wish that none of it had ever happened, that you were still here and everyone was happy. I understand myself, 
but how could you make my mama cry? Just come back home and I promise it'll all be good. Maybe then I'd come to be the man you always said I could. I'm trying hard, but it just seems like it ain't enough. It used to be smooth waters, but now they done turned rough. I try to tell myself that you're watching me from above, but it's just not the same since he took you here from us. I just hope that you stay looking over me. Without you, I don't know who I'd be. And if you could, can you save me a seat, please? What this talks about kids is, is that their life is thrown into turmoil. They may lose a home. They may have to change schools. They can be on the street. They lose friends. We don't know all the answers to what we can do with kids, but the people God keeps bringing into our life, we have a family now that's going to help supervise this program. We think there's great things we can do, and there's already programs out there. So we want to be sensitive to those kids, not just the people who lose their husband or wife. So one of the things I want to just say that I was so excited about when we were talking is we have a ministry called Hammers of Hope, and some of you remember Brian Jajewski helped start that. Greg Hartzell was going to be here, but he's actually back um, back at his home uh, due to a funeral that he's attending. But I, I just he was going to share with you that one of the great things that's happening is we're partnering together. Hammers of Hope is going to be directly involved helping widows and widowers when we have those difficulties. We have people, men, women, and children, um, who go out to these sites and they help paint. They do roof. They, and the kids don't do the roof work, by the way. Um, uh, and they do windows. But we come around, and, and, and this is what we're, we're just excited. First of all, that God would birth this through you guys. And also then that God allows for us to see another ministry kind of partner with you. And we just, we're so excited and want to bless you. I just want to share with you that both Michelle and Pete and some others will be at a table. If you want to know more about it, you want to be involved, there's just a variety of ways you can get involved um, in in helping out in some of these areas of ministry. But before we do, I would love to pray for both of you. And I'm going to ask you as a congregation to stand as well. And I ask you to join me in this prayer. Father, we thank you because you have told us bring heaven to earth. And one of the ways that we can do this, Lord Jesus, is the, the daily life that we live everywhere we go. And there are some places, God, where you are calling to bring light into some of these dark places. There's places, God, where you want love to reach into deep wounds, where, God, you want to heal and allow that to flow where there's brokenness. And so, God, do this through this ministry. We pray your spirit upon them in a way that, God, they would be open to all that you would want them to do so that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, be glorified and the Father would be blessed. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.